The statistics are grim. One in five working moms say they've been passed over for an important assignment or for a promotion because they have children. And women who take even one year off to have kids come back to earn 40% less than their peers. Working moms outpace, outperform, and outwork their peers. So why don't companies make an effort to support working moms? And how can working moms advocate for themselves in the workplace and in their careers? Frankly, we're tired of asking for a seat at the table. It's time to make our own table, and we're going to talk about how. I'm Zabine Mirza, and this is Moms at Work. Friends and fans, welcome to another episode of Moms at Work. I'm Zabine Mirza, and of course, this is the official Jobs.Mom podcast. We have a very special episode here today. We're going to be talking about a cause very near and dear to my heart, something that's affected me um, personally and um, the experience of which has completely altered the trajectory of my life, has shaped me as a person, um, and has impacted much of the way I think, the things that I do, my value system. Um, For those of you that know me, um, I lost my father at a very young age to pancreatic cancer. Um, I was 11 years old. And uh, my father was a doctor. He was an anesthesiologist. And um, he worked um, with cancer patients. He, um, his, he specialized in pain management. And the bulk of his work was done treating chronically and terminally ill um, cancer patients to ease their last few days uh, and to support them as they um, kind of, you know, made their last arrangements and, and set their orders um, straight. And uh, my father was always very healthy, never smoked, never drank, ate well, exercised, extremely strapping and jovial and full of life. And everyone that met him, even if you met him for a second, you, you felt like you knew him for, for your whole life. And I remember very vividly, um, I was 11 years old. I had gone out somewhere with my mother and my sister um, and I feel like it was a dance recital or some kind of, you know, something that seems completely insignificant now. But we come home and we found my father lying on the kitchen floor, clutching his abdomen. And I was only maybe 10 at that time, but I starkly remember the fluorescent lights in the kitchen. I remember seeing this man lying curled in fetal position on the kitchen floor. And I remember my mom's face. Uh, more than anything. He never had any history of any kind of illness or disease. Um, So he was rushed to the hospital and, um, you know, many tests were done and he was quickly diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And from diagnosis, um, from from that day uh, where we found him clutching his stomach on the kitchen floor to the day he died um, was about five months. And uh, I was at that time 11. I had turned 11, and it was the day after my sister's, my younger sister's birthday. Um, and, you know, that experience really affected me and affected the way that I am, not just as a person, but also as a mother. Um, and, um, you know, as I, as I grew older and I learned more about the disease, I realized what a horrible, horrible 
uh, disease it actually was, an abysmal survival rate. Um, the amount of progress we've made in the 22 years since my dad died in understanding, treating, and even easing um, symptoms of patients is also pathetic, I would say. Very, very low, um, little to no progress. Um, and it's not from lack of trying, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that today. Um, and so I committed myself that in whatever way, shape, or form, I would help other families, other victims of this disease, other 10-year-olds like me that mayhap, you know, saw a parent or a loved one curled in fetal position out of nowhere one day that maybe that trauma I could spare even just one person. And so I joined an incredible organization called the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. It's PANCAN for short, and you can visit the the organization at pancan.org. And I have a very special guest here um, with me. She is the associate affiliate, the affiliate, excuse me, affiliate associate director of New York and New Jersey of PANCAN. She's also 175 weeks pregnant. <laughs> She's about to give birth um, any day now. Um, but she is, um, f- you know, leading the good fight and fighting the good fight against this horrible disease and um, is is an enormous support to other volunteers like me, um, who, who I, I serve as uh, an event experience chair for our Purple Stride, our annual Purple Stride wa- uh, walk, which our guest will talk about today as well. Um, but I have with me today Kathleen O'Reilly um, from PanCan. Kathleen, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be with you tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure, Kathleen. And, you know, this this topic is very near and dear to my heart, and it's very near and dear to your heart as well. So um, why don't you give everyone a little bit of a background on who you are, what you do, and why you're here at PanCan? Yeah, yeah, I'd be honored to. So um, again, Kathleen O'Reilly, I'm the Affiliate Associate Director for PanCan. Um, overseeing our New York and New Jersey um, affiliates. So I've been with PanCan a little over a year. Um, I started with them in January of 2020. My whole career has been spent in nonprofit, um, in higher education, as well as um, healthcare. Um, And so what brought me to PanCan was, um, you know, the work that they're doing um, to be part of part of that, um, and also people like yourself, Sabine, um, you know, survivors, patients, family members, caregivers. Um, I am fortunate enough not to have a direct connection. Um, you know, I haven't lost a parent or um, you know a loved one, um, but I have been truly inspired by all of you who have, um, you know, our survivors who are fighting every day. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, we have made progress, but we have not made enough progress. And so, um, you know, I, you know, want to be part of this organization to um, bring more awareness and, um, you know, to continue fighting this so that, you know, 10-year-olds like yourself, um, you know, one day won't have to go through through this or, you know, losing a loved one or a parent. Yeah. And, you know, it's... Cancer is something, unfortunately, that has become so prevalent and has, you know, touched so many people's lives in in a terrible way. Um, But 
before we before we talk about you know pancreatic cancer and we talk about you know the purple stride, which is a great way for people to get involved, um, you have two children, right? You're a working mom, right? Yep. You're a working mom. You're also about <laughs> to give birth to your third. Um, talk a little bit about how you are balancing doing this. And, and you have a career in nonprofit. So a lot of the work that you do is extremely heavy. It's extremely emotionally taxing. And there are a lot of women that are listening that are involved in nonprofit work. So talk a little bit about how you balance that and how do you kind of compartmentalize and try not to bring that home with you to your kids. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no formula, you know, everybody always asks like, how do you do it? Um, I think most moms would agree. We just do it right. Because there's, there's, we have no other, that's what you do, you do, you know? Um, how do I, you know, definitely in this last year, it's been a challenge because we're living through a pandemic. So, you know, everything that's going on, there's no separation between your personal and professional career. You know, everything's being done right, you know, for me anyways, right in my home. Um, it's it's a lot of time management. You know, it's a lot of, you know, bo setting boundaries. Um, and, you know, I'm still learning how to set boundaries. Um I am a self-proclaimed, you know, workaholic. I love my career. I've always loved my career. I've always wanted children, but I always knew that, you know, I wanted a career as well. I never wanted to take a step back. Um, it's having a good support system. I am very fortunate to have a husband that supports all of my career ambitions, um, has taken steps back in his own career to support me. Um, but yeah, I, I think that boundaries are really the biggest thing, you know, um, and having managers and leaders that you work for that understand that. And I'm very fortunate at PanCan to have that, you know, and to be able to say from, you know, these hours to these hours, like I have to be a mom. I have to, you know, I have things my kids need me and they understand. And so I think that's a benefit of working um, in nonprofit. Um, but again, like I said, boundaries and communicating and um advocating for yourself. You know, the, you're the only person that can advocate for yourself. You have to be able to communicate to people, um, you know, when you have to, you know, kind of have like a timeout or take a step back. Yeah. And I think that's super important because nobody's going to know you need that help or you need that time away or that time off unless you, you verbalize it to them. Right. Right. Um, and, and I think that's one area in which mothers and, and women in general, we are lacking, right? Mm -hmm. We're afraid to, or we're not confident enough to, or for whatever reason, it's just not something that we do or do well. No, we don't. And it's taken, you know, and I'm not perfect at, at it. You know, like I remember going to, you know, tell work that I was pregnant with my third and being like, okay, but don't worry. Like my work's not going to suffer. Everything's going to be fine. And like my boss saying, well, that never even crossed my mind. You know why, you know, and that's my own insecurities of like having to prove that, you know, I can still be taken serious, even though, you know, I'm a mom and a yeah. professional. Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? As, as soon as you start having kids, for some reason, it's that you're not professional or you're not right. as slick or savvy or capable or skilled. I mean, if anything, it should be the opposite, that you've grown a human, push it out of your body. You should be, I think we should be heralded as heroes, right? But instead, right. we are cut out of projects, demoted. There's a huge salary and wage gap. Um it's 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 the opposite, and um, I, I think again it goes back to what you mentioned that 
we have to stand up for ourselves. We need to advocate for ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and I talk about this in previous episodes. Advocating for yourself is not just, you know, raising a fist and shaking a fist in the air. And it, it's not just that. It's it's going to a manager and saying, hey, you know, can we work out what the priorities are on these 10 things that I need to do um, because I'm a little overwhelmed and I'm going to need a little support or I'm going to need some additional resources. Um, yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's how we can advocate for self. You don't need to be assertive. You don't need to be a type A outgoing personality in order to in order to advocate for yourself. Right. No, definitely. You know, and I think that, you know, uh, it really it's it's a it's a balancing act, but it's it's, you know, reaching down into myself and realizing, listen, I am like really good at what I do. And it's okay that I, you know, now I'm a mom as well. Um, if anything, I think becoming a mom teaches you better time management skills and, you know, being able to take on and juggle, juggle more. But um, yeah, definitely, you know, being able to advocate for yourself is so important. Yeah. Now talk to me a little bit about your role as the affiliate director, the affiliate associate director. What are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis? What is your role comprised of? Sure. So it's definitely different every day, which I love. Um, you know, a lot of it is um, volunteer management, but it's, you know, coming up with strategies um, to continue to grow those affiliates. So, and when I talk about affiliates, uh, PanCan's a small organization. And because we're a small organization, we are very much volunteer driven. So we really rely on, you know, our volunteers to help move our mission forward. And so um, we have affiliates across the country and the affiliates that I oversee are New York and New Jersey. And so they're comprised of volunteers, um, you know, coming from all different walks of life who have been affected by pancreatic cancer. Some have just been affected by cancer, um, you know, that really want to make a difference. Um, and so, you know, volunteer management. Um, a lot of my background is in fundraising and development. So, you know, raising revenue, um, because we know with any disease, you know, if we don't have funds, we can't, you know, we can't invest in research. Um, it is, you know, working with um, our corporate partners. It is, you know, reaching out to our, the hospitals, you know, in the New York and New Jersey area, um, it, like I said, it's really, it's different every single, single day. Um, it's a lot of juggling. Um, I have a great, like I said, a great network of volunteers and some support staff, but, um, it's very different every day. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, of course, one of the, the hallmark events of the year is the Purple Stride, um, event, which, um, I chair for, I chaired the event experience, uh, committee yeah. for in, in New York. And um, of course, you know, Purple Stride looks a little different this year because it's virtual. And um, one of the things that I love about PanCan is our, you know, kind of like our slogan, I guess, you know, and, and that is to wage hope. Yes. Right. And, um, and it, it's so funny because wage hope is, is not just for pancreatic cancer. I feel like sometimes it's about just me living my life, you know, mm -hmm. wage hope. As a mom, <laughs> as a person trying to survive this pandemic, you know, choose hope, um, fight for it, you know, fight for fight for what is possible. Um, so talk a little bit, Kathleen, for, for those of uh, our listeners that aren't familiar about what is Purple Stride? How did it start? What does it do? What is its mission? Yeah, so Purple Stride is our largest event at PanCan, and it is our largest event because the money that we raise for it goes to support research, advocacy, our, our free programs and services. 
Um, so the New York City Purple Stride started back in 2014. Um, and we have um raised a little over um, you know, in those in those seven years, a little over um five million dollars, which is really exciting. Um, we've had over twenty-two thousand participants. Um, as Zavine, you mentioned, um it you are an event experience chair. So Purple Stride is made up of a group of volunteers helping us to do um, you know, put this event on. Um, this is our second year going virtual because of the pandemic. Um, our the CEO of our organization, Julie Fleshman, who is wonderful, feels just very, very, very um, you know, passionate about the fact that, you know, pancreatic cancer patients are immune compromised and, you know, that it is, you know, for everybody's well-being that, you know, that this event is important and we wish we could be together, but it is safer for us to not be together. Um, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, even in a pandemic, people are still being diagnosed. Um, people are still getting their treatment. People need us more than ever right now. Yeah. And so, um, Purple Stride is really that opportunity that brings community together. And even in a virtual way, um, you will see, um, you know, through our Facebook page and our social media channels, people going out and striding in their own way. And I think that's what's unique about a virtual world is like people can do it the way they want to. Some people go out and walk or run or bike. Some people cook with their family. Um, so it's really been, we really have not lost a lot of momentum, um, even in a pandemic and people kind of being sick of Zoom and being over the computer and everything. Um, the people that support PanCan um, and pancreatic cancer research um, know how, you know, important uh, the work is right now. Yeah. And, you know, the, the pandemic, I, I think about, I had a, I had a baby in the pandemic, right? So yeah. um, for, for, for my listeners that don't know, I had a baby in July of 2020. Um, and uh, I was fully prepared to go in and give birth alone and be alone. And thankfully, my husband was allowed, but we both had to get, you know, swabbed and tested. And it was like a whole situation, <laughs> but I was completely prepared to go in alone. And um, my entire pregnancy was during the worst of the pandemic, uh, that beginning right. uh, curve. And it was so incredibly isolating. Um, and it was my third pregnancy. So it was also very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a very hard pregnancy. Um, and I was isolated and I was isolated. I am still isolated with uh, a newborn. My, my youngest is now almost eight, but we haven't seen any family. We haven't seen any friends. Um, my husband and I have been working from home and we've been completely without help or support. And I say that only because, you know, I'm talking about a child, which is a blessing, but it's been so hard for me that I cannot imagine the scores of people that are suffering in isolation from sickness and illness. Mm. And so the work that PanCan is doing is so important because of the advocacy and, and PanCan has an amazing network of support and resources and services for, for families and patients and survivors. Um, but, you know, it, it's now more than ever that we need um, this support. And Kathleen, you know, I, I talked about in the beginning, this, this scene of my life that's etched in my brain with the fluorescent lights and the mm. tile in the kitchen floor and my, my father in, in fetal position on the floor. And I remember after he passed thinking, could he have survived or lived if we had done something more or different? And he was a doctor and he was a, a doctor at one of the, the top cancer hospitals in the world. And 
this was what he did. He treated cancer patients and we couldn't help him. And I remember for many years thinking, was there something that we could have done? And then I started as an older child, teenager, and adult to research the statistics around pancreatic cancer. And I realized very quickly that I probably couldn't have helped him because the statistics are quite grim. So do do you want to share some of those statistics, Kathleen? Yeah, um, you know, definitely. So, you know, and I preface the statistics, um, I really want to approach it by our goals and our goals that we want to achieve by 2030 as an organization. So um, the five-year survival rate of pancreatic cancer has finally hit double digits. It's 10%, um, but it's not good enough. Um, So, you know, PanCan wants to reach um, 20% by 2030, um, you know, by funding scientific research, by, um, you know, disrupting the traditional pancreatic cancer, um, you know, clinical trials, early detection, um, you know, our scientists and our researchers, both internally and externally, um, our partners are really working towards this because, um, without the early detection, you know, how are we going to know how to, how to treat this? Um, you know, they, they raising, we want to raise $80 million annually. You know, that money is so important because that's, what's going to go support the research. Um, that's, what's going, um, to keep our patients and our caregiver programs and services operating free of charge. We have at PanCan, our patient services team, which, you can call our 1-800 number to get, you know, resources for yourself as a caregiver, for you going through pancreatic cancer, um, you know, just to talk to somebody. And one of the things I'm most proud of PanCan for is even during the pandemic, we did not miss a beat. Like we were able to transition that call center from at our Manhattan Beach location into our patient services staff's like homes. So it yeah. was still available for people. Um, You know, and we want to be able to grow awareness. It's like any disease um, in order for it to get the national attention, such as breast cancer. um, We have to, you know, we have to grow the awareness. So, you know, our marketing and communications team um, who is on the ground trying to grow that awareness, um, especially in this last year with losing Alex Trebek and uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and John Lewis, um, you know, they obviously bring notoriety to, to the disease. Um, and so, you know, making sure that we continue to grow, grow that awareness that we, we are here as an organization to support all of those who are being affected by this disease. So repeat again, the survival rate, it was shocking. What was the survival rate, Kathleen? 10%. So 10% survival rate for five years. Yep. So for every hundred people that are diagnosed, only 10, uh, Mm -hmm. make it to the five year mark. Right. Um, and then there's a steep decline, I think, after the five-year mark where it's say, five. even to yeah, 5%. Even, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so for, for the listeners, right, Kathleen, for the listeners, and, you know, it, it, maybe it's not pancreatic cancer, maybe it's lung cancer, maybe it's brain cancer, maybe it's breast cancer, ovarian cancer. Um, there are women and mothers that are fighting cancer themselves. Um, and we, we we may not know all of you, but we are certainly with all of you. Um, you know, we are, we, we, we are in solidarity with everyone fighting this fight against this terrible, terrible disease. 
Um, but there are women and mothers that are fighting it themselves, that are caregivers for those that are sick. What advice would you give? What what advice does PanCan give? You know, you guys have an extensive family and, and friends um, support system for resources. What advice do you give these women to keep putting that one foot ahead of the other to keep going and, and to continue being present for their kids, for themselves, and for those that they're taking care of? Yeah, you know, again, going back to our patient services, you know, that this is, that is a resource for, for um, individuals. I myself as a mother, as a professional, you know, we're, we're already juggling so much. I can't even imagine, you know, on top of it being a caregiver um, and or going through, through you know, um, an illness myself. Um, you know, I can take from like my mother who was running her own business and raising raising her family who was a caregiver for her mother who was going through Alzheimer's, um, you know, just how difficult it is. And she always says to me, and I hear this a lot with PanCan too, I wish I would have known about an organization five years before I was going through this. Yeah. And so um, that's what's why it's so critical that we're raising awareness around PanCan, that there are resources that you're not alone in this. Um, you know, that not only can we provide resources on a national level, but a local level as well. And, you know, you as a volunteer know that, you know, being part of an affiliate of other people who have been affected by this disease brings some sort of comfort. Yeah. And I think this is so important. And whether it's about cancer, whether it's about anything, I think women especially, there there is so much shame and stigma around just asking for help to say, mm-hmm. I'm not okay. Mentally, I am not okay. I am drowning. I am depressed. I am stressed. I have anxiety. We have to destigmatize asking for help. We need to normalize conversations around mental health. And not only do we need to we, we need to change our internal narratives about, you know, what asking for help means. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that you need help from mm-hmm. people that are waiting for you to ask so that they can give it to you. Um, and those that are in positions to give help, like at PanCan, so many other cancer organizations and community support organizations that are doing this outreach to say, mm-hmm. we're here. We're here and we want to help and we're not going to go away. However you need help in whichever way, we are here to support. And, and so everybody that's listening, whether it's about work, whether it's about family, whether it's about marriage, whether it's about kids, um, skills, health, whatever it's about, you know, seek support, accept when you're not okay, right? And ask for help. And, and you know, Kathleen, you mentioned it. PanCan was founded the year my father died. He died in mm-hmm. 1999. And PanCan was founded the year he died. And we were completely alone, you know. And, and there were so many layers to our aloneness. I was, you know, um, the child of immigrants, which mm-hmm. immigrants, we don't ask for help. We're fine. Everything is fine. There's no such thing as a mental health problem. This is the culture, mm-hmm. right? So there was that. Um, the, the second element was I was a kid. Right? right. So I don't even know what help I need or that there is support for children, which there is mm-hmm. at Pan and Can. Right. Um, and then there was my mother who was suddenly a single mother, a widow, um, grieving her own, her own loss of her life right. partner. My mother was not yet 40 when my father died. My father died when he was 40. 
and grieving, you know, the fact that she's going to have to live the rest of her life without, and she has three young children. So I remember thinking that it would be so great if somebody could kind of tell us, like, what do we do now? Like, right. How, like, what we, what are we supposed to do now? Like this person has died and we don't know what to do. And, um, I don't think there's any one size fits all answer, but there is support and resources mm-hmm. that can kind of give you some frameworks and and talk you through what are options for your life. Um, so talk a little bit about what PanCan does. Um, uh, in that I know you talked about there's a call center. You have a yeah. lot of support. Yeah. So you know, one of um, and I'm thinking about one of my volunteers in New Jersey, um, who's a survivor himself, who is just amazing does a lot of work with the hospitals that have support groups. And so why PanCan doesn't necessarily have our own support groups, we, you know, work with the hospital networks for for support groups. Um, and everything, again, now has, you know, obviously pivoted to virtual, but that it's still going on. And, and um, this volunteer that I have in New Jersey also has given himself to, you know, when he's like, Kathleen, if you... you somebody reaches out and they've been diagnosed or they have a family family member that's been diagnosed and they want to talk to somebody, I'm here to talk to them. And so he literally spends his whole day talking to pancreatic cancer patients and their families. Um, and he's not the only volunteer that does this. I mean, there's volunteers across the country. And I mean, what a selfless, like, wonderful thing and how much, you know, I always say to him, Steve, I don't think you understand how much comfort you bring somebody just from a 30 minute phone call. Yeah. You know, and so our best asset at PanCan is truly our volunteers. Yeah. You know, um that will talk and just share their experiences again going back to what we talked about about feeling very 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 alone and I think it's when you t- when I see volunteers interact they all have this it's so lonely and then they feel connected, you know, once they're talking to this, cause it's just similar feelings. Yeah. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I it, it's exactly as, as I keep saying, it doesn't have to just be about cancer. It could be about any aspect of your life where you feel like maybe I could use a little support or a sounding board or right. a little bit of, you know, just some guidance on, what are my options? The internet is both, I say, a blessing and a curse, right? I it's, agree with you. It's, I mean- You can go down a rabbit hole real yes, quick. You know, and, and what's true and what's not and what's right for me. And if there was just somebody that could that could help. And, you know, I speak to mothers, you know, I, I'm very open about this. And, you know, I struggled with a lot of postpartum anxiety and depression for all of my children. And it was certainly worse um, in the pandemic. And- um, my first child, it was undiagnosed, and I didn't realize until much later that that's what I had. Because again, it's not something that we even think about, right? You know, nobody like you're good. Everything's good. It's yeah. okay if you're crying. Like that's normal. Right. You'll be or, fine. Or just go take a walk outside, and you'll be okay. And okay, right? You know, and, and so that was what was going on with my second, with my first one, with my second one. You know, I realized that okay, you know, this is this is something that's that's uh, physiological. It's it's mm-hmm. not just a psychological thing, and which it is, right? There's there's no shame in being upset, you know, and and hormones and and having little depression and anxiety, um, b- because you know this is this is a physiological response that happens. And I remember um, somebody had told me after I had my second child. And it was such a simple thing. 
And um, I said, you know, I shouldn't feel this way, right? I just had a kid. I shouldn't feel this way. And you know what this person said to me, Kathleen? She said, why? Why shouldn't you feel this way? Who said you shouldn't feel this way? All mm-hmm. feelings are valid, right? right. Um, and I really, you know, I really internalize that. And I talk about this when we talk about, you know, as mothers that, you know, that invisible burden we bear, Kathleen. Right. You're, you're, you're doing the full, you know, full-time job. And then you're also doing the homework and the dinner and the laundry and this. And we have amazing partners, right? We're lucky that we have amazing partners. Yeah. but. The burden's still disproportionately ours, right? And a Correct. lot of it is because we don't allow ourselves to ask for help, right? Because there's a lot of, oh, it'll just get done better and faster if I do it myself. Right, I can just do it, right. right. I'll just do it myself and, and you know, and I don't want to cause a fight. If I say something, it's going to come out wrong. And, right. you know, can you help me with the laundry ends up being coming out of my mouth as you never do the laundry. And then, you know, everybody's unhappy for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. It, it's just like it's a downward spiral. Right. It just, yeah. So that's all to say, reach out for help, whether it's in your organizations, for mentors, for managers, from colleagues, from peers, when you need it ask for it. It in no way diminishes your strength, your ability, your dignity. None of that. There are people that are willing and able to help. Um, So the last thing, Kathleen, let's talk about Purple Stride. Yes. So Purple Stride, um, this is, you know, an event that's happening in in multiple cities all around uh, the country in New York City, which is where Kathleen and I, um, that is where we kind of oversee our special Purple Stride. Um, If you guys go to PanCan, P-A-N-C-A-N.org, you can see all the amazing stuff that PanCan's doing. Um, But you can also see there's a fundraising goal. Purple Stride New York City 2021 is April 24th. Um, we have raised so so far um, $113,802, uh, which is amazing. Um, and our goal um, is $290,000. So we have um, some ways to go. I think we'll get there, Kathleen. We've always I think we're going to get there. Yeah, we're going to get, we're definitely going to, we, we're about six weeks away, but. We're going to get there. And that's thanks in large part, I mean, to you and all the volunteers behind it, because I could not do it alone. See, I need help. That's why, you know, I have a group of volunteers helping. That's right. That's right. And and <laughs> less thanks to me, because I am not as amazing as some of the other volunteers. Um, you know, I'm kind of more like somebody tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> and please just please just tell me I just want to help. But um Purple Stride, New York City, for all of our listeners around the U.S., um, there's a Purple Stride for sure happening in a city near you. Um, for our international listeners, get in touch with PanCan. Kathleen, do we have international Purple Strides? We do not have international Purple Strides, but that is something that, you know, has been talked about and asked. So I can see, you know, PanCan makes strides every year. I can see that in our future. Absolutely. So if you're international and interested in maybe organizing um, a Purple Stride, get in touch with PanCan. Um, and of course, to all of our um, you know, cancer patients, survivors, families, friends, um, you know, regardless of where you are in your journey and um, what your experience has been, um, help is there. We are here. And um, PanCan is an amazing, incredible organization. Purple Stride is an inspirational um, 
just amazing opportunity for us to get together and celebrate the progress that we've made and and and, and map out the road that's ahead. Um, Kathleen, before we before we wrap up here, yeah. if, if there was one piece of advice that you would give to the mothers that are listening to you, you know, we talked about so many different things, advocating for yourself, asking for help, communicating, not expecting people to be psychic, which is one of my expectations, right? Yes. Are psychic. Yep. What advice would you give to these mothers that are listening? Oh, gosh. Probably advice that I should take myself. It's okay, you know, not to be everything to everyone. Yeah. Um, I am, like I said, I am my worst critic. I put a lot of this on my shoulders myself. Um, but yeah, it, it's okay. You know, it's okay to, if things slip through the cracks. It's okay to be a good mom one day and, you know, not a good professional one day and, and vice versa. You're going to have good and bad days, but really, you know, ask for help. Um, and help can be as simple as like, Hey, you know, to your spouse or your partner, I need you to just take the kids outside for like an hour because I just, I just need like some time to myself. I think that's okay. I I think as moms, we feel right. We (laughs) feel guilty for taking time for ourselves. And I know for myself, I'm a working mom because it makes me a better mom. You know, that's what works yeah. for me. I I miss traveling. I would go on one or two girls trips. I do that because that makes me a better mom because I am still Kathleen outside of being a mom and a professional. So yeah. um, take some time for yourself. But again, that's being an advocate for yourself because if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it for you. That's right. And unless you take care of yourself, you can't take care of the people that you need Correct. to. Correct. Right, you can't. Um, a happy mom is is a happy husband, is a happy partner, is happy kids, is, yeah, is a happy community, is a happy family. So, um, self care very important. You can't care for others unless you're caring for yourselves. And yeah, um, I think that's one of the things that at PanCan we tell. You know, we we tell people all the time. You know, when we were talking to the the families that reach out to us, yeah. Um, you know, what are you nutrition? Doing? Yeah. Yes. What are you doing to Exercise. care of yourself? Yeah. Right. What are you doing to take care of yourself? Because how many people reach out to us, you know, that are caregivers? So many, right? Right. You know, they're caregivers of of people that have been diagnosed. And as we're working with them over the course of their journey, one of the things is, you know, okay, you know, you need to take care of the person that's sick, but what are you doing for yourself? For yourself, right. What are you doing? And as a a caregiver, you tend to worry about yourself last. Yeah. Which is very much like a mom. Yeah. You know, you're the last, like we were talking, you know, earlier, you're eating ramen and having a Capri Sun, you know, why like the kids and your husband probably had a great meal. And I'm the same way. There are some nights where it's like, I'll just have a piece of toast because like, you know, and it's, it's going to happen. Like, you know, it's, it's not always going to be perfect, but yeah, we, we need to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And we're all doing the best that we can. And yeah. as Kathleen mentioned, it's okay to not be everything to everyone. Um, and, and I think that's a very important lesson. And so um, as we wrap up uh, this episode um, today, I want to, again, you know, on a, on a bit of a solemn note, um, as we look forward and ahead to making greater progress 
um, in, in, in a cure for this horrible, horrible disease um, and, and greater progress um, towards our fundraising goals for Purple Stride and to an amazing Purple Stride this year. I will say to everyone that's listening, whether you're a patient or a survivor or just somebody that, that knows other people um, in the community and has been touched in whichever way by, by sickness and illness, um, whether you're a mom or not, you know, anyone that's listening, um, I think the most important thing is that we have compassion for each other, um, but that we have compassion for ourselves as well. And, um, you know, Kathleen said, you know, Kathleen, you mentioned you're your worst critic and mm-hmm. um, we never extend the grace we give to others to ourselves. And um, exactly. And, and I tell people all the time to give themselves grace. I yeah. should, like I said, take my own advice. Absolutely. So all of you out there that are listening, give yourselves grace, give yourselves compassion, visit pancan.org, follow them on social media. They're on Facebook and on Instagram. Purple Stride New York City is April 24th, 2021. If you're not in the New York Tri-State area, find a Purple Stride walk in a city near you. If you are outside of the United States, get in touch with PanCan at pancan.org to talk about how you might set up a local Purple Stride virtual walk um, in a country near you. And until next time, solidarity, love, compassion, grace, stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy. I'm Zabine Mirza. And this is Moms at Work. Follow us on social media. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out more episodes at jobs.mom slash moms at work.